0: If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT. A few lifetimes ago, I started a podcast with my friend, Ehud lazen lazen lazen, and it was called "Come to Where I'm From." It kind of led to this job right here on TNT Radio dot Live. TNT Radio, the home of free speech and uh, cultural fun and shenanigans over the weekend. That's what we do here on Joseph Arthur's Technicolor Dreamcast. But anyway, my next guest was one of my very first ever podcast guests on the Joseph Arthur podcast, the original podcast i started with my friend and uh, we connected and vibed it was great i think she was like guest number three or something it was the third person i ever interviewed so this is a bit of a moment for me and plus she's a home girl from brooklyn she's coming from where i come from well not originally but i lived there for many many years so kind of honorary new yorker over here anyway she's a two-time grammy nominee tracy bonham is a classically trained violinist pianist and vocalist turned alt rock singer-songwriter. She built up a local following and signed to Island Records. Everybody wanted to be on Island Records. Who didn't want to be on Island Records? The answer, nobody didn't want to be. Everybody wanted to be on Island Records, and she did that in 1995. Her debut album, The Burden of Being Upright, was a critical and commercial success it earned her two grammy nominations we can just call those two grammys and was certified gold by recording industry association of america aka the r-i-a-a less than a year after its release the album's lead single mother mother topped the billboard alternative airplay chart in june of 1996 tracy has since worked with various other record labels and released three more albums she is here with us now she also has we have chad blake in common too i think chad blake worked on her record and we talked about it but tracy okay. welcome to the show how are you thanks for uh, coming on
2: thank you joseph it's really good to see and hear you again
3: it's, great. it's been
1: a long time what a long it's strange a long... trip it's been since oh. those days we did not know the weird yeah. period of time that we were in for what we were so naive everything oh. we were down there where, where were we on the in the in, the, in Lower East place Side? Called, well Avenue A between 10th mm-hmm. and 11th I used to live in the apartment above it it was called Brownies okay. at one point uh, right. that's what the venue was and we were in the and basement then, of there launching that podcast because right. my friend Jesse Mallon Allowed us to use his rock and roll club at the time. That's who owned it. I think he still does. And uh, yes, yeah, so the we were down. No, the Pyramid okay. Club is a little bit more downtown. This one okay. now it's called like Dream So Real or something. It became kind of a hipster young person pickup place and I lived okay. right underneath it it was it was fun. crazy I mean right over it I lived right over it
3: oh my it gosh. should have been
1: more fun I think of those times and I think yeah, I should, should have, have gone into that. that I should have like do you know what I mean like when you're <laughs> yeah, in now, that moment you're like oh I'm too old I'll be the old guy there but when I'm now like years later and I'm in Tempe yeah, Arizona I'm like i have a kid i'm like i should (laughs) have gone to that club every night i i will say i did go sometimes and i did have some fun but i should have had more fun anyway right Right. so what was life like for us then what do you think like where were we in those days not that we were i mean we were still in life it was still planet earth and complicated but how would you classify uh your state of mind back then as as compared to now because we haven't even Uh seen each other through this whole vortex, we've all sailed through.
2: Yeah, yeah, true. Well, we were just babes. And I do remember that conversation. I remember coming away from that feeling like it was great. And we were really vibing on so many things, the present moment and all this stuff. And yeah, I remember my friend said that they listened to it and they're like, damn, Tracy, you sound depressed. And uh, yeah, I remember, I mean, this was kind of pre metamorphosis for me. Um, I'd been going through some stuff. But now let's just talk about coming out of this wormhole. And I do feel like a completely different person. So it's really nice to have that full circle with you.
1: And so what has life been like now? I know it, you, we were just talking before. I don't know how much you, I won't reveal anything. You can reveal it yourself, <laughs> but I know you've gone through a lot of shifts and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. What's like, where, where in Brooklyn are you sort of vaguely? You don't have to give specific locations. <laughs> i not but... give my,
2: uh, right. And don't dox me, please.
1: Um, I won't dox you, but like, yeah, what's don't the
2: Unless I'm you don't Windsor. want to say, but...
1: no, oh, I'm in Windsor okay. Terrace.
2: I think it's pretty big enough that, Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so how are you feeling about the shifts in New York? A lot of people who Mm. aren't in New York. I mean, I left New York. The the whole COVID thing freaked me out enough to where I was like, you know what? It's time for me to, well, plus I had a kid and all that. So there was a lot of things that came together to get me to move, but a lot of people moved. It's sort of famous. So what's your take on New York now? And why have you stayed there?
2: Okay. Well, um, I, you know, I also kind of, I fled because with my child who uh, was, I guess, just 10 at the time, um, I didn't want to be in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, it it was a scary place to be. So uh, we, myself and my son and my son's father went up to Woodstock, New York, where we had a place. And we just kind of like spent COVID up there. So I'm really fortunate, like, if I didn't have that, and being in, in where I was in my life at that time, that would have been a lot more difficult. So there was more space and stars we could go outside and um, it was very important. But I came back to Brooklyn, um, I'm gonna say about a year and a half ago. So, you know, um, COVID had pretty much, you know, trickled out, faded away. Um, and I wanted my son to be in the city Um, I just felt, you know, my son is um, a black child from Ethiopia and I wanted more um, diversity. And I felt like being up in Woodstock and in upstate New York, especially given some of the, you know, temperatures with um, race and stuff. I just wanted him to be back in in New York City. Just felt better, like a better idea. Um, And I also missed the vibrancy and the music, and also have a beautiful relationship in Brooklyn. So really, that's the ultimate, is that I just wanted to kind of follow where my life's path was supposed to go. And, you know, pre-COVID, it was on the way there, and then COVID hit, and I was snatched, like everyone, out of that trajectory. And I am lucky enough, and I had to fight and claw to get back to, like, picking myself up from where I'd left off basically. And my relationship. I want to
1: find the, I want to find suffer. the tea on this, this uh, new great relationship that you're oh, in. Really? I didn't know that.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That yeah. The best. I,
1: I, you snuck that in the whole store As... and a beautiful new relationship. <laughs> That's like. <laughs>
2: it's like a sliding in a home. Yeah. I, I'm really, really happy. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. great.
1: So yeah. how long has that been going on for?
2: Well, you know, it kind of was percolating through, um, through COVID I'd say um and you know that was just complicated uh because then I was in Woodstock and he was in New York and I was also with my son's father it was really complicated it definitely could have been a movie and I often say it was like a David Lynch movie um that I wouldn't want to watch now but um it's it's just you know when it when it proves that stands the test of time and also this the the test of that struggle of not really being able to be together and having a lot of complicated shit to take care of before you can actually be together um we persevered and you know it's just it was that important it's it's really nice to be happy with someone who gets you
1: so you were having a lot of complications with yours with your the the father of your child and or your ex-husband or something like yeah. that and it was already on the like you were already having that happen like when we first talked many years ago or a few years right. ago i guess it be like th- three or four years ago um so i can't remember yeah. yeah
2: when that was but yeah it was around then yeah
3: yeah uh, so you know, that's interesting less-
2: i think the lesson that i learned was like you know when when you know something's not right and, but you're kind of like delaying and delaying, delaying. You never know what's going to happen. And then boom, pandemic, <laughs> you know, boom, sorry. Like you, you have to, I, what I'm learning now is like, when you, when you have a want or a desire or whatever it is, maybe act on it sooner than, you know, I mean, delaying is, is really not a healthy thing to do
1: probably not you know we uh memento i was i wrote a blog about memento more or i think that's what it's called the stoics talked about contemplating death all the time as a way of living life to the fullest to know that we're only here for a very short period of time one of my good friends who i was hanging out with in the east village recently passed away uh and he was in his 30s like like full of life guy like it's unbelievable that he's gone and uh yeah he would always talk about his passion project and he would never say what it was and uh so then when i found out he passed i was like well it it was like i guess i'm never gonna i did actually find out what his passion project was recently but from another friend yeah and it was music related which broke my heart too because i didn't think he was interested in music and i would have helped him with that if he would have told me
2: he oh, never told wow. me. I
1: thought it was something totally unrelated. Oh yeah. Um anyway, so but it, it wow. I bring that up to say that yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's like um a lot of times we lollygag around through life too much. We have to mm-hmm. just sort of act um you know, not impulsively, I guess, but in t- terms not, of maybe yeah. If we're in bad relationships that we have to get out of or if we're not pursuing our dreams and our work yeah. and now so is this new love inspiring new songs and new sort of uh, a new desire to make music because a lot of times if you are in a toxic relationship um or even any kind of addiction drug addiction um the muse dries up and you don't feel inspired anymore but if you sort of get away from that um oftentimes the muse kicks in again is that happening for mm-hmm. you
2: Um, I have never lost the muse, uh, knock on wood, because um, that's I just feel really, really lucky. Um, I do tend to write more about the stuff that I'm unhappy with, though. Uh, It's just more interesting, isn't it? Like uh, trying to figure stuff out. My, My writing is always about trying to figure stuff out for myself and then maybe for others as well um there's a joke with my my partner now that uh he says you know why aren't you writing some like love songs about me now i'm kind of tired of like the ex the ex-boyfriends and the ex-husbands one but um uh yeah they'll come <laughs> but um you know it's, it's like i guess it still has to be worked out or something in the world uh-huh. or in the world of music and the gods or whatever
1: hey babe i got a new song i want to play for you it's exactly. all about my ex again it's like, <laughs>
2: exactly he's like another
1: he's like he's gotta act like he likes it (laughs) after i like it it's pretty good is that about uh...
2: (laughs) yeah it's it's funny it's just that's not how i i don't really write you know if i do write a love song it just still has a little bit of this weird twist to it it's not usually like happy rainbows and butterflies that i just don't respond to that
1: I heard you uh, in an interview talk about how you were trying to write. Sometimes it was a way for you to work through complicated emotions. And when you were a little girl, you didn't know how to ask for a certain flavor of ice cream or empower yourself. And so that's like where the song mother, mother comes from. And that's like the mother wound. I wonder, did you, um, like, is that still the way you're writing songs? Is it a is uh, it a way of you to be able to communicate things you can't otherwise do?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really true. Um, and just realizing that the hard things that that I cannot say, that I'm afraid to confront, whatever it is, it's just so much easier to put into a song. It just really is. It's so much comfortable. Maybe because it's like you're behind this this veil, you know, um, and you can just. You can explore it you can say it in different ways you can be cryptic about it you could be really direct about it but it's for me just way way easier to do it in that format
1: and you also grew up like in a sort of Brady Bunch situation with adopted kids or like step kids oh, ste- like a whole halves. Steps and halves, right? Yeah, and do you think that's yeah. why you chose to adopt? Is as an as an adult? Like, do you think there's any psychological correlation there?
2: Mm-hmm. I don't think it's because of that. I think there were two reasons. One, I I had fertility issues, so that's really uh, a big reason. I was a little older, um, but two, it just felt important to give another child in the world a chance that was something that and I feel very proud of that
1: does he ever want to connect with his biological parents is there ever any sort of questions in that regard I mean and is there any issues in terms of your own, own feelings about that because now that I have my daughter it's wild like all the different uh well you know she's two and a half going on three and know a lot of times it's all about me and she'll be like daddy daddy daddy." then other times though she'll be engaged with other people and there's other like other interests and stuff and it's an interesting thing it does to your own ego that you have to then contend with because especially when it's an infant you're like well that's an infant you you can't let your ego get engaged in that way and yet (laughs) still we're all fallible it's hard but at least i'm present enough to witness it and go okay, you know, you got to be the dad here. You can't be getting your needs met from your child. It's you giving her her needs, not the other way around. But anyway, does that sort of kind of thing happen with you and your boy?
2: First of all, I'm so glad that you feel that way because more parents really need to be self-aware. It's just, it. you're right. It's so tempting to, to let your ego run the show. And if you're not so self-aware, then you're probably gonna create a lot of patterns you know absolutely uh, there's no way around it on. yeah but um let's see so no he's not interested at all he uh, so his birth is place of origin is origin of birth um, is ethiopia and i often lay like i have sometimes i just open it up maybe i say something about like hey oh i found this really cool charity about ethiopia want to know more about it he'd be like no and, I'd, and then earlier, uh, like maybe a few years ago, I'd be like, you know, I have information about your birth mother. Would you want to know? Nope, not interested. And then I said, okay, well, whenever you're ready, I have stuff that I can share with you. And so I'm just waiting. I'm not going to force it. I don't think that's healthy. If he's really adamant about not going there right now, fine. But I I've made it clear that he, like there's a little hope box, we call it. Um, and there's stuff in there that if he ever chooses to, he can go in there and start looking around. And I've remembered as much as I can in a a journal and I've written it, every, everything down. I also have stuff from the, um, adoption agency that's on like a CD. Um, and you know, there's lots of stuff in there. We don't know much, but we do have some valuable stuff in there that if he feels like it, he has.
1: Hope Box would be a great name for a song and an album. Let me take a quick break and we'll be right back after these words on TNT. TNT's
0: Alex Zaharoff-Royd.
1: Google's Gemini AI
0: has image generation capabilities, but people have been noticing something remarkable. The images keep on wanting to show what's known as diverse results. So if you ask to see an image of America's founding fathers, uh, who were predominantly a group of white men, people of African-American descent are being shown. I mean, there were uh, black people, Founders, but they're not the sort of the standard thing that you think of when you see uh, that in your mind. People also ask for a picture of the Pope, and the black man is shown. Another prompt asked for images of German Nazi soldiers from 1943 and while one white man is shown the next image is of a woman of Asian appearance and then a man of black appearance is also shown which simply isn't what you expect to see at all there's been obviously a huge uproar about this uh, with people naturally accusing Google of being woke and inserting diversity uh, equity and inclusion everywhere Talk and Tech with Alex Zaharoff-White on today's News Talk TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do, crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call Call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Listen.
1: Listen up! Listen, we gotta talk.
0: It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio,
1: TNT and we're back with Tracy Bonham who uh yeah had that huge hit song Mother Mother back in the 90s what now with that song was that sort of like you know John whenever whenever people engage mother as a theme in a song it's really intense you know <laughs> like John yeah. Lennon mother you had me but i never had you mm-hmm. and then he's like scream primal screaming at the at the mm-hmm. end of it and yours is intense too it's it has intense. a primal what, scream yeah so what what was that like and uh did your mother react well to it was there any tension that that brought about in family home oh
2: um well you know my mother uh she found a bunch of cassette tapes so i came home to visit one time like early 90s and i had like a bunch of demo tapes you know some mother mother was on it and. Uh, she had a tendency to snoop, even at that age. Like I was like, what, 24 or something? And she was snooping in my suitcase or something. And she found the cassettes. And so she brought one out and it had the you know title Mother Mother. And she's like, Is there something you want to share with me? You know? And I kind of laughed. I was a little embarrassed, but I was just like, Mom, it's not, it's not a bad song. Like, cause we had a good rapport. I was like, it's not anything bad about you, but if you want to listen to it.
1: Yes, it is, Mom.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I say I love you at the end. Um, Uh,
1: You have to. (laughs) By the way, I love you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. By the way, I love you. Um, Never mind
1: all that other stuff I said. I love you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She went to listen on her own. I can't remember why. I don't really can't remember why that was important to listen on her own. But she came back and she's like, Tracy, I love it. It's theatrical. So um she gets she gets it and she loved the fame. I put her in the video. Uh so that wow. was all over MTV and and it was like all over the world. I just remember thinking like people in Chile are watching my mother on the MTV right now or people in Norway. <laughs> and she got a leather jacket. She started signing autographs at Safeway. You know, she dug it for a while. She really did.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: I was doing due- in a deep dive on carl young this morning because i was writing a blog about shadow work
2: okay. and, it take,
1: and it and it took me to this weird area where it was like a parent uh like a uh, kids who like need to achieve fame or whatever like there's this weird shame transference thing that happens between <laughs> uh a parent and a kid where the parent will feel special and then sort of put like sort of project that vicariously onto their kid, So when their kid achieves something, the parent becomes like sort of overly celebratory and, and, and sort of usurps it as her own thing. And then that like, has this effect of (laughs) shame in, in the kid or something like that. And I was like, wow, some of that definitely resonates with, I think all performers. I mean, I think all of us like, and, uh, I mean. I think John Lennon used to always say that speaking of it like he would say uh and you wanted a superstar or whatever you know and I think Kurt yeah. Cobain had things about that but like John Lennon was like you know you made me a superstar you know like he was so psychologically aware I mean has has going down those sort of roads in terms of your own relationship with your mother has the end result been to liberate you from some of that stuff? I mean, I think it's stuff that we all have too. Like a lot of us were like sort of back in the day, scared to bring this stuff up about our parents, but it's really like, and even as parents ourselves, we know it's like, you can't help, but mess up. We're just right. we're fallible and the needs of the child can't really be met fully by the parent anyway. So even if you're as loving as you can be and you never lose your temper, or you never have an Who? impatient moment, which, like, come on, <laughs> you're still going to traumatize your kid. You know? Right. Like, they're just they're
2: messed just up. Pulling, no what.
1: pulling a sucker out of their hand is going to traumatize them. I mean, they'll, oh, they'll scream like crazy. for that you know and you have to do stuff like that so or else they'll eat sugar constantly so Mm -hmm. anyway but back to that question did it ever do you think it has helped you to express yourself in this kind of way
2: um uh all i know let's see trying to answer that um i know that it's been a long long journey of trying to uh what do you call it individuate individuate that's it um yeah. yeah and i get it and i think i'm still doing it and now i'm like really old and my mom's really old but we're, and she's still doing it like i think that she carries patterns from her you know um mother and mother's mother a- and i see it very clearly i think she's a little she's less self-aware she's just from a different generation um i see it very clearly and i also see my trappings and the things that I, you know, I see her doing and I'm like, oh my God, that's so me, but at least I have more self-awareness. Um, doesn't make it any easier. Uh, but I think that the projection element, um, we, we do it all the time. And if we got to be really careful to not do it on our Mm -hmm. our kids, but we just do, we just do Mm -hmm. because we're like driven by our egos. Um, and it's a constant game. It's a beautiful thing once you recognize it and you stop. Like when I stopped freaking out at my son, because he he would trigger me and, you know, he knew it and he'd be like, poke, poke, poke. And I'd be like, here, I'm doing it. and I'm doing it. I hear my voice and I'm saying these things and what's happening. Wow. I actually just said that. Um, I've, I've lessened that to a bit because I'm trying mm-hmm. to not project. I have so much stuff from my childhood of my mom and I growing up and, and my dad had died before I was two. So she was a widow for a long time. And so I didn't have a dad. So that in itself is like a whole bag to unpack. Mm-hmm. And I had to take care of her. I felt, so I felt probably survival skill, right? Didn't want to make waves, wanted to make sure mom was okay. Um, And then she needed me a lot And so we were really like codependent for a long, Mm. long time, unhealthily so. And I feel like I've created some codependency with my son. I see it Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: it's still, I even see it. And it's so hard for me to break the pattern. Like me being afraid to confront my 13 year old son. Now that's, that sounds like a dangerous recipe, first of all, because I better, (laughs) like, I better be that strong mother saying like, hell no. But I see it in myself, and I feel like I can trace it all the way back to like this abandonment thing from infancy, you know.
1: Hmm, that's it's a deep. lot.
2: It's very deep. That is
1: deep. It's it's yeah. you know, there's this guy. He's controversial, and I'm sure you would disagree with him on many things. But uh, his name's Jesse Lee Peterson. He's quite famous YouTube preacher pastor like but his whole thing is forgiving your mother and father to their face and how important that really is to actually go up to them and say I know you did the best you could and I forgive you Um, because it ultimately it's kind of a Christian thing where you can't be forgiven unless you forgive and really it's Mm. It's like you even if you consciously don't think you're holding on to resentment towards your parental figures really deep down you are like because as discussed earlier, like all the the permeations that we are growing up like I'm talking about with my two and a half year old daughter like I I can tell that she holds grudges against me sometimes even when I'm doing (laughs) like really good as a dad and I know I didn't overstep or do anything. I didn't lose my temper. It's like, she'll still get a grudge, just not letting her have ice cream, you know? Right, so right. It, it's like, it's important for us to actually go, like, if you can go up to your mother and to her face. And I actually did this with both my parents recently. Nice. I forgave them both and said, and and of course they react like, why are you forgiving right. me? You know, like, it's, <laughs> yeah, right? it's a heavy thing to do, but it released, it released a lot. And it's like, I just mm. don't resent you. I forgive you. I know you did the best you could. And, and it, and my relationship with both of them has really gotten so much better since then. And it wasn't immediate, but months later it was just like, it's all loose. Like, especially with my dad, it was, there was always tension there and, mm-hmm. uh, we would try to like refacilitate something or, but now it feels very natural. Like I'm genuinely glad to hear him and talk oh, to nice. him and yeah, like, so it, this is a powerful thing to do. You might want to consider it. <laughs> not to give you unsolicited yeah. advice but no it's, there it you is go.
2: good I think I had kind of let go at some point too of of the constant judging like when I'd watch my mom interact right. with people and I, inside I'd just be like judge 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 yeah. and then I decided to just like let that go because first of all it's a waste of energy it's like toxic for me <laughs> and uh, she's you know
1: it's, it's why? why would sin. you do that it's the, it's the- it's the it's the original banger of a sin. If you think it's judging. the knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. It's the apple. Why didn't he want us to have that? He didn't want us to have that because he didn't want us judging and condemning other uh, people. Mm-hmm. If if we have the knowledge if we don't have the knowledge of good and evil, we're not out there judging or condemning anyone. We're just out there hanging out and naked, and we don't even know it's wrong. Just <laughs> like, you know what I mean?
2: Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so letting that go is huge.
2: And judging comes from fear so there it is it's like yeah. it's either fear or love and i think that's yeah
1: yeah it's tempting though. will be the ego loves it though because it, it it sort of it sort of sort of reinforces the ego and the ego is always looking for dominance because the ego knows it's an illusion built from a survival mechanism when you were just a little kid But it knows that it's sort of vaporous in actuality it knows that it's not presence and spirit so it will always look for a way to reinforce itself and it will do that through judgment it'll do that through like they're bad you're good and then it'll do that Mm -hmm. through conflict and creating dramas with people and forgiveness lets all that go and Mm -hmm. allows you to be present and in the moment
2: Yeah, yeah yeah I have a a snake that i draw in my journals and i do this because that's i guess that's a snake or and he's angry and um whenever i had even from age 12 13 14 my journal if i ever had a thought that was like tracy you're so fat or you know or like tracy nobody likes you i would try to expose it hmm. and i would draw the snake saying it with like a little chat bubble <laughs> And the very act of doing that exposes it so that you're like, oh, wait, that's actually not my voice. That's not my real voice. That's like the evil snake ego.
1: Yeah. It's It's so funny that you made it a snake as well, because that's the Genesis story as well. I just wrote a blog today. I just posted it right before we came on the radio about shadow work, and I talked about naming my shadow, and I named it Bernie because I asked it what its name was, (laughs) and it said Bernie, and like not Bernie Bernie Sanders, right, 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 but just burn. Like I I thought, why did Bernie? Did I come up with that? And it was like burn you know burning. like it, the word yeah. burn is in yeah. it Yeah. but so if you if That's you talk awesome. to your shadow and you and you name it and you say like yep. when you hear some negative self-condemnation thing you like what are you saying bernie why are you right. saying that come on <laughs> i it's because when you're a kid you yeah. cut off these areas when you like when you know when your mother says, don't be angry or don't be sad or oh. stop doing that, you'll like, you'll right. put those parts of you and you'll, those ah. aren't good. And th- that creates your shadow. And that's the repressed side of you that comes out and suddenly rages at someone. And you're like, where did that come from? Yeah, it was, it was a part like snake.
2: lurking. Yeah, yeah, yep. for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I get it. I get it we all have different like many different parts though too not just like the snake, but we've got the little one in the corner and the one hiding behind mom's legs and and they they're not useful anymore
1: right but forgiveness is the key to getting on the heck out of Dodge and be like you guys got to move out now I love you right exactly thank you thank you your job is
2: (laughs) done (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Hit> the road <laughs> like but you're gone talk a little bit about the kids music you make too because we talked about that on the first podcast we did and uh i was less interested i probably acted interested but of course uh, uh, you know uh, <laughs> the
3: truth comes no out. I'm,
1: listen i'm just saying now i'm really interested oh, because right. i see
2: because you have a kid i
1: have a kid so now like yeah. i was interested then i'm not i'm um, not saying i wasn't but now yeah, i'm yeah. really interested that's what i mean so <laughs> what's going on with your kids' music?
2: I'm not going to tell you now because I think that you need to pay. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, so it was really good then. It's really good now. So um, my whole bag is music education. I grew up playing classical um, piano and violin. And so I have all of this music fundamental stuff. That, and my mom and I used to really bond over um, Sesame Street, Electric Company, Schoolhouse Rock, all of those educational music formatted um uh programs uh and so i just started writing songs um back when i got off the road in like 2006 i had gotten off the road with blue man group and i was you know doing a lot a lot of touring but i wanted to stop and start a family and so i started teaching uh private lessons and stuff like that and then all of a sudden these songs started to fall from the sky and they were just instructional songs for kids to learn how to play uh m- very basic music or the understanding of music what's a a do in the do re mis what's a major or minor third um and just songs just kept popping up and so i had this whole collection of material uh that was really good and it, some of it had like the humor of sesame street and um I got some great players together and I had just recorded these songs over the years uh, with a friend of mine named Josh Margolis. And cause we both bonded over music education and uh, then COVID, you know, hit well, wow. Maybe we were talking about it, but it hadn't really formed yet because then when COVID. Yeah. You
1: hit, were, you were building it.
2: Oh, I was building it. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: You so were building COVID COVID it. It hit, was the new it. thing.
2: I see. And I was always Mm -hmm. waiting. This is another delay thing of mine. I was like, well, I can't put a kid's album out now because I'm still, I'm Tracy Bonham and I got another Tracy Bonham album and I don't want to confuse people. I'm not a kid's artist now, but COVID hit. And then it was like, well, I'm not going to be touring much. And what do I have to do? What can I do during this time to keep me busy and creative? And all of those songs were on a hard drive. So then I, I decided to put a bunch of those songs together on an album and then um i put it out with my partner who's my romantic partner on my bass player as well and we called it um young maestros volume one and the name of the artist is tracy bonham and Melodian music house because we're starting uh like a company like a music education based company that we have like Video content and yeah, I love it.
1: Entrepreneurship. It. I can't say yeah. that word, but I love trying, it. Entre- I know, I Entre- can you say entrepreneur- it?
2: Entrepreneurial
1: entrepreneur- ship. Entrepreneurial. <laughs> entrepreneurial ship. I could do, your... <laughs> do it slow. I nailed it, super slow. Yeah, yeah. Entrepreneurial ship. Entrepreneurial ship. Entrepreneurial ship. Uh, can you it's say the entrepreneurial material? I love it though, Tracy, that you're doing this, that you're thinking that you're expanding it to a whole, a whole thing. That's really exciting. Let me take a quick break and let's, let's, let's pick that up on the other side of these words on TNT. With his expert
0: analysis and opinion,
1: this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea.
0: George Ford
4: Smith of the Mises Institute has written a thoughtful and thought-provoking article entitled, Who Hijacked Our Free Will? The answer, of course, is no one hijackings are violent actions we haven't had a violent action against our free will no what we've had is incrementalism incremental encroachments on our civil rights our civil liberties our very way of life and every single time we take the easy path we let the experts handle it we let the government handle it we just don't want to rock the boat we've ceded a little bit more of our liberty and our free will. John Adams said that our Constitution is holy for a religious and God-fearing people and is wholly unsuited to any other. We need to become more active, more engaged, and more educated. We need to start digging into our candidates and finding out to whom do they answer. If you've got a candidate that's being funded by the Koch brothers, you might want to look for another candidate in the Republican primary. Do your diligence, do your work, do your duty as a citizen, exercise your free will before it's all gone. From MAGAInstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT.
3: When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve. Keep the demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs healing, nurturing, rescuing, honoring, protecting, caring, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes, across all missions, has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance.
0: joseph arthur and his technicolor dreamcast on today's news talk radio
1: tnt and we're back with tracy bonham we were just talking about her her, uh kids educational music program so tracy i for for one i definitely i started taking my daughter to swim lessons and that's a trip uh you know because it was the first sort of organized this is going somewhere with a class and she's two and a half and she, just getting her to go underwater but then I was like <laughs> watching on some kind of Twitter or X or YouTube or something some three-year-old that was a chess champion beating like grandmasters and I'm like wait my daughter's almost three I'm maybe I need to push her harder oh, and get her stop. Into- <laughs> and um, I got all type A about it Maybe I need to like, well, no, but for real though, just to get her to engage in a creative act. So do you guys teach people, like kids how to play guitar or Um, sing or how does it work?
2: Right. I don't, I don't let a kid touch a guitar for a long time. It just, it's a disaster until they're like a little So far.
1: Yeah. 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 She's got a little ukulele. Um, It fits her. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be something that's easy so that there's a actual, um, feeling of like accomplishment right away instead of like why does this sound awful um and you know small for their fingers like you know the violin uh I think the Suzuki method that I didn't do but I was always jealous of those Suzuki kids because they start really young they don't even let you hold a real violin for the first maybe year maybe more and they give you like a, a paper towel tube and a Kleenex box and they just get used to the way it's held so anyway that's not what I do has nothing to do with I do what I do. And, however, I can make the bridge this gap by saying my philosophy in teaching music is that it's supposed to be fun and that you need to get the spark lit in them first instead of like here here's a tissue box <laughs> trying to try to not make a sound um or here's a here's a really boring book of piano. You know fundamentals that you have to, you know, like sit with your teacher who might not be a great teacher. I, I feel like there's so many stories where the teachers are not the greatest, and they kind of scare the kids out of practicing or wanting to come because it's either boring or too rigid. My whole philosophy is start them with, with a passion and and show them that anything's okay. Like music making is for everyone; it's not just for the elite. Um, And it's not just for the people who went to Juilliard. It's like, you've got a voice, um, you've got two hands, you can make music. Um, And so that's where I start with the really young kids. Like we're talking young. And I try to instill just a philosophy first of like this whole Sufi thing that I love. I fell in love with the Sufism thing where it's like music is everywhere. Like there's a symphony of life going on right now, just the sound of the traffic outside the rain on the window. That's all the symphony of life. And it's just it depends on how you listen. And then you could, that can get very, a very bass level, but then you can go like, wow, the sound of the dishwasher makes mm-hmm. that rhythm. And, and then you can make a song out of it. And, and then you're into the idea of music, not just like, I've got to play a perfect etude right now and be judged by, you know, people in the audience who are sitting up straight. Like that's not what, really what music is for me especially not when you're young it should be a joyful celebration
1: i love that it reminds me of john cage 413 or whatever that composition oh yeah
2: 433
1: is. 433 yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's right just, exactly it's just blank and it's supposed to be like a, a moment to engage in the symphony of life that's pretty awesome you know I it's funny because <laughs> yeah i play it uh, daily every every day <laughs> i wake up and i play that um now lou reed's birthday is today uh oh. he would have been 82 and there's a meme going around i sent it to my friend lance today it was uh he was like one car one chord is cool two chords you're pushing it three chords now you're just trying to play jazz it's so cool <laughs> it's like um, and it goes with what you're saying in a weird way, like a rock and roll version of what you're saying in terms of keeping it simple and and staying out of uh, your sort of your ego and your mind. Um, and actually in that interview I was listening to where I found out about your sort of Brady Bunch background and stuff like that, you you talked about that. Like you came mm-hmm. from Berkeley College of Music and all that and you were like always around shredders and you kind of wanted... <laughs> those type of people but you didn't want them to to be shredding just to be you know sort of competent but still rock and roll yeah uh, but on Lou Reed's birthday what do, what's your take on Lou Reed do you have any Lou Reed stories did you ever encounter oh. him are you a fan yeah. um right. and and, yeah. and what does he mean to you is he significant to you
2: Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love Lou Reed. I love Velvet Underground. I and I do appreciate like what he said about how the simplicity of it all, and how if you get too complicated, then you know it's just, um, it's just it's obviously not for him. Now, I I also on the flip side, I I happen to love things when they get complicated. I'll get into that later, but I do. Um, I had a, a great memory of playing the Mercury Lounge. Uh I mean so long ago. And Lou Reed, I can't remember, did he play there as well? And I got to borrow his amp because it was still on stage. And I can't believe I borrowed Lou Reed's amp, and then he liked my jacket and he touched it. I mean that's that's basically the memory <laughs> I have. And I was pretty like struck by that. Um, and you know, of course he's really intimidating. Um but yeah, I think um I just want to say on the flip side about like the idea of jazz. Right now I play with um some jazz players. And when I started, it it's so different than playing with rock and rollers because now it's not just about being complicated, at least these jazz players that I'm with, it's about listening. And so it's actually about simplifying, and it's not about playing over each other, and it's not about, look at me, look at me, doodly-doo. It's like holding the moment and honoring the moment in its most beautiful form. So I am really, I love the whole idea of that, whether it's jazz, whether it's presence, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, presence is it. That's That's the whole kit and caboodle. I'm surprised we talked about it. Back then, you you mentioned that we talked about that, but that has certainly um, become my overwhelming focus daily. Is just to find yeah. presence every Got every it. day. You know,
3: yeah. Are it.
1: you doing that? Or, or do you do any practice that brings you into presence? Are you observing your thoughts and disidentifying with your ego actively, or do you do any work in that regard?
2: Mm. I meditate every every single morning, uh, and Um, I think that that's huge sometimes, you know, if you do it on, uh, on a regular basis, you just, you start to notice the difference in your day in how you have like a distance from things and you detach from, um, certain things that may have otherwise made you react a certain way. And, you know, reacting Mm -hmm. is, is really, it's a habit and you have to catch it. So I think meditating and quieting your mind in the morning or whenever, maybe it's many times a day, which would be really helpful. You just, you give yourself like somehow that practice kind of stays with you. And then you give yourself a little cushion around every moment. So then it's like, say my son does something and I feel the energy and I'm like, I'm going to react, but because I'm in still in this zone where the effects of the regular practice of meditation is still there. I can kind of like, I mean, it's a millisecond, but I'll be like, oh, you're react, you're about to react. And then you just detach and you're just like, just hold on, just hold on before you react. Those things are really, really helpful. And I think that it's, it's really about the regular daily routine. If you meditate once, you might feel good for like the half day, but yeah, if you're no, doing it for like a year. Yeah,
1: it has to be every day multiple times really i think and and, all, think and so for too. me too prayer it's a form of prayer even meditation just being present but do you have any kind of faith you lean on in god or do you are more spiritual or do you, are you atheist what's your spiritual mm. practice like
2: i'm i'm very spiritual um but it's just kind of my own version of things you know for a long time i thought it was just like really just buddhism just made Perfect sense, but it's like my own version of it. I'm not gonna follow one ideology. I love the whole presence of mind, and we're all God. Um, and we all have God selves, and we just have to uncover it and we're all connected in that way. Um, and I've had some real profound moments uh recently of just feeling connected, um, in being vulnerable. And allowing that to just be a connector with like groups of people. And I don't know, there's just something about um, that kind of, that feeling of connectivity. It's more than just me. It's, I think that um, it's in all of us and we just have to realize it. And so that's kind of, that's my whole spirituality. It's, uh, um, I can go into most religions and find truth.
1: But like, what about um, if like you're in a place where you're super afraid and lost Mm. and you feel like, you know, not empowered and not good and alone, like really... Like when you're sort of needing strength from somewhere else, do you mm-hmm. think of it as still coming from you or do you seek it from some external uh, so- source?
2: Okay. Well, lately, like if I do feel that, I have gone to kind of like my my father's past. So it's kind of he has taken on this um more of like a guiding presence. Um, and so, you know, I put my hand on my heart and I just like talk to him.
3: Yeah. Uh. Yeah.
1: Interesting. That's really interesting. What about you? I believe in God and I don't think I am God, but I think I am like the son of God and that, you know, and that, and you're the daughter of God or, you know, that we're, we're, that ideally that if we arrive at a place of forgiveness and we can find presence that we're, um, you know that we're the sort of offspring of god but i certainly believe there's a god beyond me that's like that i'm part of you know that uh, that i will maybe sort of get to uh be with and i'm working on being with that more and more and dismantling my ego which is sort of the phony structure of of this sort of world that's kind of lost you know and still has all these like you know basically is corrupted like we're all kind of corrupt in in on that side of ourselves and it's like this mission to forgive and be present and repent enough to where we're really present and really free and that's like you could call it being born again but that sounds hyper religious and like you're a lunatic or a Jesus freak if you say something like that but really that just means fully free fully empowered and fully present and fully fearless and all these really great qualities you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's that's what i believe i do i do lean on on god and seek him every day basically as like as the main thing and then within that i'm still working on my projects i got a new album i'm working on i'm working yeah, on my my blog and this that and the other thing but that's all in the background for the main agenda which is seeking him that's the main agenda and then while that's happening also then my ego becomes right-sized and so my ego is like now he's this little worker guy going like hey i'm doing it boss you know instead of like (laughs) being this big bad wolf guy like make him carry your bags Hey, I'm <laughs> messing your whole life up boss. Now he's right. like, Hey, I'm writing this little blog boss. I hope I'm doing good. Can you pat me <laughs> on the head? Like the ego's in the right size. Then it's like perfect. And my imagination too, rather than being like a nightmare machine, like, Oh my God, what's going to happen if this happens or that ever, it becomes a a sort of um, what's it called? Like manifestation machine where it's like, hey, let's think about like a good future, let's think about nice things. Here's a little time for some imagination, but it's not full domination of ego and imagination.
3: Mm,
2: yeah, well, that's a dangerous combination right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my lord, we're up, up at the last minute. So hey, tell everyone where to find yeah. you.
2: Okay, well, TracyBonham.com and Tracy Bonham on Instagram and Tracy Bonham on Facebook
1: yeah well so tracy we got to do this again um when's the the music education program out i'm gonna like contact you in private and find out how to get that for my daughter because that sounds yeah the
2: album is out you can get that and and just enjoy that and i'll share with some some other stuff but you know there's more tracy Bonham stuff on the road so on the okay
1: all right tracy thank you for coming on god bless keep listening to tnt everybody